Good morning, visionaries and guests. I have some hot news to pass on to you this morning, and here it is. Are you ready? Okay. At 0900 hours this very morning, Friday, September 4th, 2015, 25 tickets will be for sale for the upcoming convention. You heard it, 25 tickets. Where do we find these tickets? Well, we've been working hard for you people here at A Vision for You. Our phones have been jangling off the wall with questions like, can you find me see where's more convention places? Where can I go? I got to go there. Well, here they are. The power of the big book, your weekend of inspiration, education, motivation, and fellowship, October 30th through November 1st, 2015. We have pulled down the mother load on this one, gang. The takeaway on this convention will rocket you into a fourth dimension, recovered at last. So race to those visions website, please, today at www.avisionforyou.info. And I'll spell it, www.avision, the number four, y-o-u.info, right after the meetings today. And by the way, if you've been wanting to spread the good news around your town and need some help, contact me, Melanie C., for a printable convention flyer at 541-908-1221 Pacific Time. And thank you so much for all the enthusiasm that you've been showing us for around this convention, and it definitely is showing in numbers. 500 of you fellows at convention. So remember, 25 tickets right after this meeting. And now I'll turn these fine fellows and this meeting back over to you, Kim G. Good morning. Thank you, Melanie. Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Kim G, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, September 4th, 2015. Today we are reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are on page 161. The first full paragraph which starts out now. This house will hardly accommodate. Today's readers are, for the steps, Mary H., Traditions, Lisa H., and for the text, Susie K., Rebecca F., and Angela D. The reference number for yesterday, Thursday, September 3rd, is 7969. That's 7969. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for member. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that the people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Mary H. to read the 12 steps. 
Hi, Kim. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay, good. I'm Mary H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Northern California, and here are the 12 steps. Here are the steps we took, which were suggested as a program of recovery. Step number one, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understand him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank Thank you, Mary H. And Lisa H., could you please read the 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous? Good morning. This is Lisa H., um, gratefully recovered compulsive overeater from West Tennessee. The 12 Traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, An OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, 
Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Lisa H. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and the literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous on page 161. We're going to read that first full paragraph, which is now this house will hardly accommodate. The second paragraph, which begins, but life among Alcoholics Anonymous is more than attending gatherings. And we're going to concentrate our sharing on that second paragraph. And I'm going to ask Susie Kay to get us started. Good morning, Kenji, and this is Susie Kay from Maine. Now this house will hardly accommodate its weekly visitors for the number 60 or 80 as a rule. Alcoholics are being attracted from far and near. From surrounding towns, families drive long distances to be present. A community 30 miles away has 15 fellows of Alcoholics Anonymous. Being a large place, we think that someday its fellowship will number many hundreds. But life among Alcoholics Anonymous is more than attending gatherings and visiting hospitals. Cleaning up old scrapes, helping to settle family differences, explaining the disinherited son to his irate parents, lending money and securing jobs to each other. When justified, these are everyday occurrences. No one is too discredited or has sunk too low to be welcomed cordially, if he means business. Social distinctions, petty rivalries and jealousies, these are laughed out of continents. Being wrecked in the same vessel, being restored and united under one God, with hearts and minds attuned to the welfare of others, the things which matter so much to some people no longer signify much to them. How could they? So, um, uh, this is an interesting paragraph. Um, it hearkens to the tradition um, that the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Um, that's tradition three. And tradition five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the overeater who still suffers. Um, so it it wraps up a couple neat ideas about about our fellowship, about Overeaters Anonymous in this paragraph, and talking again um, uh, about being wrecked in the same vessel. I know that elsewhere in the big book talks about being shipwrecked together, um, being restored and united under one God with hearts and minds attuned to the welfare of others. Um, so um, that talks about being, you know, having, having um, 
determining what the problem is and having gone through the recovery process and um, landing at step 12 where we are of service to others. Um, it really talks about our whole life being turned around and that's what's happened for me in OA and through this work of having done the steps and becoming recovered. Um, uh, it's really been an amazing process for me. The promises have come true and um, I do the daily work and attempt to help others and in this program and it is really an amazing thing to be in a position where I'm not staring at my belly button anymore or my half gallon of ice cream um, and my spoon and watching it go in my mouth um, and instead that I get so much out of um, being of service to others and how that um, helps to eliminate um, you know, my own problems by being outwardly turned to the world and I would not be in a position to be so present for others who are in need or suffering um, compulsive overeaters and other people in my life who need my help um, if it were not for this program. So I'm very grateful this morning and I passed. Thank you, Susie Kay. And who would like to share on the second paragraph that was read? Nessa R. Jill T. Larry. Melissa C. Okay, so so far I have Nessa R, Jill T, Larry K, and Melissa C. Did I miss anyone? Okay, we'll go in that order. Nessa R, you're up first, and then Jill T. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Nessa R., a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, this paragraph brings to mind the, the part in the doctor's opinion. I, I won't quote the page because I have this small, um, you know, like pocket-sized version, and my page number seems to be totally different than everybody else's. But it says here, the unselfishness of these men, as we have come to know them, the entire absence of profit motive, and their community spirit is indeed inspiring to one who has labored long and wearily in this alcoholic field. And, you know, before coming to OA, I, um, I went through like a ton of different um, weight loss um, programs or uh, methods, etc. You know, some of them were like, you know, the mass market kind of method. Uh, and some of them were, you know, one-on-one -on -one attention. And nothing really worked. Um, it didn't work because it was not, these programs were not necessarily staffed by people who understood me, people who felt they needed to do this work, that this was God's work to carry the message um, to help other um, people suffering with um, compulsive overeating uh, recover. You know, they, they, it was a job for them. Uh, they were very good at it, very knowledgeable, very caring. But, you know, that, that, that uh, level of selflessness and altruism was never there because although their livelihood may have depended on it, their life did not depend on it. And it wasn't until I got to, to OA that I felt that. Even though I was in the rooms for nine years without recovering, um, you know, and that's, that's reasons, uh, other reasons, but um, the first meeting that I attended to and I was told, you know, you have a disease, 
you know, the fact that you cannot stop eating and the fact that you cannot uh, lose weight is not uh, as a result of a personal moral failure. You're not a failure. You have a disease. And I felt that I had come home and I bawled my eyes out to the whole entire meeting. And when I came home, I was still bawling. And my husband thought that I was, you know, I was off my rocker. You know, he, he you know, I tried to explain to him, I have a disease. There's nothing wrong with me. I just got to, I just got to, you know, find the, the method to, uh, to arrest the disease. And this is something that nobody else can understand except another addict. You know, no commercial program out there, no well-intentioned nutritionist or, or um, kinesiologist or, or anybody else, or even, you know, like a dieter, like a professional dieter who's not a, a compulsive overeater cannot understand. Only another addict can understand the troubles and tribulations of being an addict and I'm so, I'm so grateful that we all have a home. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. And Jill T., you're up, and Larry K. is next. Hi, uh, this is Jill T. from uh, Pittsburgh. I am grateful for, this, for the detail of this paragraph in that it says, not only do we gather together, but there's a real purpose for our gathering, a deeper purpose for our gathering. And that makes me stop and pause and think, am I witnessing that deeper purpose? And I have, and I'm grateful that our, you know, once I clear away the plate, I can focus on others and start seeing their needs. Um, I'm sorry, I just lost my place in the book here. Uh, recently, I had some friends over for a dinner. I actually had three families on the street over for a dinner party this past week. And I was amazed at how I used to entertain people, you know, in my home. And I was very self-conscious, a perfectionist. I'd run around so frantically trying to make everything in the house perfect, the meal perfect, the plates, no water spots on the dishes, no water spots on the cups, crazy stuff like that so that they would like me and have fun. But now since program, I'm able to invite people in and want them to be happy and want them for their sake to relax and feel cared for. This past week when I had my dinner party, I sat down half an hour before everybody got there and I read the big book and I did my three outreach calls so that I could be in the best place possible to facilitate the needs of others. And it was awesome that I could sit back and let everyone else have their conversations with each other and I just facilitated and it brought me a lot of joy. So I am grateful that program is allowing me to become more helpful in other people's lives because when I sit back and facilitate, I can actually hear more about people and their lives than I did before when I was trying to gain approval and because approval meant success. And, and these, everybody wants to do it. Everybody, all my neighbors want to do it again. We're going to invite more people next time. So it's been a real uh, great experience for me. It was an abstinent meal, and um, the uh, leftovers were wrapped up and put in the refrigerator right away. I didn't binge on them later because I had so much peace and serenity inside for having helped my neighbors and having helped uh, the people around me. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Nessa. I'm sorry, thank you, Jill T. We have Larry K. and then Melissa C. is after Larry. Hello, Larry. 
Hey, Kim. How are you? Uh, thanks for your service. Larry Kay, uh, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. So we were wrecked in the same vessel and, um, and restored. And, you know, together we, we, we come to realize that we live this, this new life and, and people who actively work the steps, you know, they find this design for living that truly works in all circumstances of life. And I don't just work the steps. You know, in essence, by the grace of God today, I become the steps. In other words, in everything that I do, you know, to the best of my ability, my actions become aligned with the principles embodied with, with each of these steps. So, like, for example, because I embrace the powerlessness and unmanageability of this disease, step one, you know, God has enabled me to make it a priority to be on this line each morning. You know, and I'm not here out of obsession or guilt or remorse, you know, somehow condemned to a sentence of a lifetime of vision meetings, you know. This, this never grows old for me, and I, and I get to learn while also engaging in step 12 here and uh, try to carry a message of experience, of hope. And God, you know, took me a man whose life was, was out of balance, who was riddled with fear and anger and self-pity and dishonesty, and God restored me to sanity as the result of these steps. Um, and we can't become the person that God intends for us to be until we become willing to make a decision to actively wage this campaign, you know. The true answers were never about a, a physical solution to a spiritual problem. If that were so, you know, the hundreds of diets and the new relationships and the new job or the geographic solution traveling somewhere, that, that would have restored me to sanity. No, the, the steps is about a spiritual change. You know, no spiritual change, no recovery. Because a dry drunk hasn't been restored to sanity. I know because I was one. Just because I put the Skittles and the pizza down didn't mean that I had been restored to sanity. It meant I, I, I had temporary sobriety. And for me, in a very real sense, this program of action represents a moral struggle against my internal weaknesses. So God helped me to build character, not through self-discipline like a boxer, you know, training for a, a battle waged in the, in, in the boxing ring of life, no, through these steps, it's like God forged steel by widening kind of a repertoire of emotions and elevating my understanding of what he wanted me to be and organizing my energies through surrender of self. I mean, thank God you accepted me and I wasn't looked upon as too discredited or, or sinking too low to be welcomed into the fold. You know, big mistake on your part, letting me into this fellowship. Now you're stuck with me, you know. So anyways, uh, thank God for this program. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. And next is Melissa C., and then we'll open it up to additional sharing. Good morning, Melissa. Hi, good morning. Can you hear me? I can hear you great. Okay, great. This is Melissa C., uh, recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, social distinctions, petty rivalries, and jealousies, um, these things are laughed at, no longer matter. Um, you know, our lives have been transformed. We are focused on the welfare of others, and things that matter so much um, to some people no longer signify much to them. Um, you know, this is really how I know that I've been transformed and not... Um, and not um, recovering, 
you know, I feel like uh, recovered and not recovering um, because, uh, you know, I was, I was such a jealous person, um, very obsessed with social distinction, distinctions and petty rivalries. Um, you know, I was really good at wearing a smile on the outside, but I had a list of all the ways that you wronged me. And um, all, you know, I had justification for all my resentments. And I was seething in jealousy. You know, I would look at people and, um, you know, I would look at them on the outside and I would judge myself on the inside, you know. And, um, you know, and I I laughed because, like, I noticed this can pop up again a little bit for me on Facebook. And, you know, I think we may have a 12-step group for that someday because, um, you know, that's a good barometer for me when I'm starting to feel twisted, if I start looking at people and feeling jealous. But, you know, truthfully, um, you know, I've been transformed because things don't get me all twisted the way that they once did. Um, you know, my purpose is too great today to get bogged down by that nonsense. And when things seem crazy, um, whether it's at work or at home, or I start feeling myself looking at other people with a jealous eye, um, I have a new perspective today. Um, I'm able to reflect, you know, how can I best serve these people who I once felt jealous of or or felt that they were my rival? You know, my life has grown to be so much greater than just to obsess on what it appears that other people have. You know, I I used to obsess on my weight and hide Mm -hmm. with my food um, and count the ways that I've been hurt and wronged. And, um, you know, it, um, I, my husband got a phone call this morning. Um, someone that he grew up with um, was quite sick. And then another friend called um, and left me a message. And, you know, I know that he's fearful um, that this friend may have passed and, um, and he didn't get, a, you know, didn't really get a chance to really say goodbye. And um, it reminded me this morning how, um, you know, I skipped a friend's funeral because I was so consumed with that I had gained so much weight that I didn't want her family and her friends to see. And, um, you know, talk about being in the bondage of self and unable Fine. service. Thank you. I'm just so grateful that I'm not in that position today. And um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa. And who else would like to share on the second paragraph we read, which is on page 161, the second paragraph? Reba P. NEC. Rick K. Leah. Okay, I heard two people before Penny that kind of came in together. Renata. And Reva P. Reva P. Okay. Okay, so we have Renata G, Reva P, Penny C, Rick. I I don't get I forgot his last initial, but we'll get there. Um, and then Leah M. So we're going to start out with it's Renata okay. G. Okay, thank you, Rick. So Renata G, and then Reva P. So Renata, go ahead. Renata, I can't hear you. Sorry, I got muted again. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. This is Renata G., Recovered Compulsive Eater in New York. Uh, a few things in this paragraph. 
and start saying that, you know, but life among Alcoholics Anonymous is more than attending gatherings. What this tells me is that, you know, just the fellowship, right, just going to meetings, not working the steps, it's not enough. You know, it talks about how no one is too discredited or has sunk too low to be welcomed cordially if he means business. You know, that's a question that I, at some point in my, you know, life I had to ask myself, do I mean business now? You know, am I here because I want to stop eating compulsively or just because I I want to lose the weight, just because, you know, I have that wedding to go to or, you know, uh, I, I want to fit into your size, whatever. You know, was I tired sick and tired of being sick and tired and living in in the prison of this disease, you know, could I see the unmanageability of my life, you you know, because, you know, uh, I could stay abstinent for a while, you know, I had enough, you know, willpower to stay off the food for, you know, for, for actually a long time. And, uh, but the promises were not true in my life. I was still miserable and crazy. So, you know, did I really mean business? Did I want to be free from compulsive overeating, from, you know, in the insanity of this disease? And then it talks about how, you know, being wrecked in the same vessel, being restored and united under one God. And in the previous page, they talked about the practical approach. You know, so these people in this gatherings, they were working the steps. Their practical approach was the practical program of action. You know, like it was said before, I think Larry talked about how, you know, if there there is no change, no spiritual transformation, there is no recovery. And so, you know, if I come to this program, a 12-step program, and I just concentrate on being abstinent, I'm just dieting with group support. I need to work the steps every single day so I can have access to my God, to higher power, and then be restored to sanity. That's all I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Renata. And Reva P., you're next, and then Penny C. Reva. Good morning. This is Reva, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. There is a lot in this paragraph, but what I would like to share on this morning is the last uh, couple of sentences, being wrecked in the same vessel, being restored and united under one God with hearts and minds attuned to the welfare of others. Um, That to me is like a summary of the beginning of the chapter, there is a solution, and it uses the same analogy on page 17, where it says we're like passengers of a great liner Uh, the moment after rescue from shipwreck, when camaraderie, joyousness, and democracy pervade. Um, But then, unlike those kinds of ship's passengers, our joy in escape from disaster does not subside as we go our individual ways. The feelings of having shared a common peril is one element in the powerful cement that binds us. And that reminds me we are bound together by a common problem and also by a common solution. Um, And this is a life or death kind of thing. And when people are trying to um, 
save themselves from dying, there's that sense of urgency um, where, you know, I'm not going to waver. Do I feel like doing this step or not? Like this is life or death because I was just on a path of slow death. Um, and I truly believe I would have died um, if it wasn't for this program slowly, but I would have gotten there nonetheless. Um, and when people are in that position, like myself, like we seize the steps. Um, and that's why for me, it was so important to reach my bottom. And then it also reminds me that, yes, I am restored to sanity and united under one God. And my mind is attuned to the welfare of others. So I have a whole different purpose. And the things that matter, the things that used to matter to me were all externals. It was all about how I looked, of weight, of course, um, the house I lived in, the clothes I wore, status, job, career, all those externals were so important. So it was easy to get into petty rivalries and jealousies. Now I have to get my blocks out of the way by working the steps because I cannot live happy, joyous, and free um, and stay transformed if I don't do that, and my higher purpose is attuned to the welfare of others in this program and then in all my affairs. And wow, what a transformation. Um, so I think this sentence really summarizes, you know, common problem, common solution, and the urgency with which I need to uh, work this stuff. It's not like, oh, do I feel like it or not? Um, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva. And now we have Penny C., who will be followed by Rick K. Good morning, Penny. Good morning. Thanks, Kim. And good morning to everybody on the line. This is Penny C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Massachusetts. That one sentence that really jumped out at me, no one, no one is too discredited or has sunk too low to be welcomed cordially if he means business. And and the only way that we know if someone means business is if they say so, because the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. And and so many of the traditions are, are kind of re, referred to in an indirect way here. I was thinking of the the fifth tradition, which says each group has what one, but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. So we not only welcome the newcomer, welcome people who may have sunk low and are returning, but, but it's how we keep our groups going. For me, it's, it's exciting to see somebody return to or to see a newcomer come and and watch them regain or or just gain the hope they never had of of recovering of of getting what so many of us have been so graciously given by higher power and in this um this whole thing it's it's i go sometimes i go to uh, a monastery in Vermont, and one of the things they, they say all the time at their services is, we want you to know that there are no undesirables here. Everybody is welcome. And it's so apparent 
in our face-to-face groups on this line that we 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 show what we're told in, in, in the pages of the big book that love and tolerance is our code. In in my case, in my um intergroup, we we had someone who um who absconded with quite a bit of money. And um and many of us, you know, had a hard time working out that resentment. It was it was not nice. And when I asked the trustee of our uh, region, uh, you know, I met her at an assembly and said, so what do we do? What if he shows up at a meeting? She said, you welcome him with love and tolerance. What? You welcome him with love and tolerance. And that is our code. You know, we, we, we engage in no controversy. We're simply, we're simply there to help other compulsive overeaters who are still suffering. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Penny C. Up next is Rick K., followed by Leah M. Good morning, Rick. Yeah, hi, this is Rick K. calling from Miami. Uh, Can you hear me okay? I hear you wonderfully. Fantastic, fantastic. So I really love this reading, and one of the things that, that really was a game changer for me coming into the program was that the first time I had a meeting with other people in, in this recovery and it got around to the improprieties uh, of my life uh, and I was used to people judging me because I had caused a problem and, and this is your fault, you're, you're no good, what are you going to do about this? And all of a sudden people said to me, when, when I got around to talking about things I had done that weren't right, they said, I understand. You know, they didn't, they didn't judge me. They said, I understand. And, and they might even have said, uh, I did that too. And that was just incredible. And that's that third tradition, that the only requirement, you know, is the desire to stop uh, compulsively overeating. And, um, and that was wonderful. And I think this line that everybody's been referring to, no one is too discredited or sent too low to be welcomed cordially, if he means business, kind of amplifies that tradition and gives some definition to it um, in the sense that, yeah, we're all welcome here and we all join absolutely first in the fellowship of an insidious disease process. Uh, but then we stay together based on that solution. And and it's not quite enough for me to simply say I want to be here, but if I want everybody to work and to help me, I need to mean business. I need to be serious about this. You know, I uh, it's it's not enough for me to come into meetings uh, or to speak to other compulsive overeaters uh, to use it like a bar stool where I can complain about the state of my life and the fact that I'm a victim. I need to come in here and say, I mean business, and business for me means working these steps. It means reading this big book and having a sponsor uh, and attending meetings and doing all, doing all the things that we do. So and I've seen so many people who, who come in and, um, and, and use it as a, as a pity party, kind of, you know. Uh, and I did that too in the beginning, and it was really wonderful where the time came that, that like, Somebody said, okay, let's get down to business, Rick. You know, time to get to work, time to quit complaining, time to take responsibility for the circumstances of your life. 
And when I did that, um, things took off for me. And then I was able to join in the actual solution. Uh, and life is wonderful today. I'm really glad to be here. Thank you very much. Thank you, Rick. And next up is Leah M. Leah M. And I'm going to sneak myself in after Leah. Good morning, Leah. Hey, Kim. Good morning. Thanks. Being wrecked in the same vessel, being restored and united under one God with hearts and minds attuned to the welfare of others. Yeah, I mean, when I read this paragraph, certainly it reinforces the fact that uh, this is going far beyond sobriety, far beyond abstinence. Abstinence is a beginning. Um, but the goal here, <laughs> the real purpose for this program of recovery uh, is to be of maximum usefulness to others, you know, to live usefully and walk humbly under the grace of God. And each and every one of us, uh, you know, has a special godly goodness and a unique way of of giving, of giving love, of being of service, you know, that we've been destined to channel into this world. Each and every one of us is precious and special, and that's part of the thrill in watching people uh, transform through this program of recovery is seeing how their higher power begins to use them. I mean, that has been just such a kick for me uh, to witness transformation. You know, if if selfishness and self-centeredness is the root of the problem, then this service that we, uh, you know, we do, you know, this, this giving of ourselves is really the root of the solution. We become useful people. And since God, our higher power, you know, resides within each and every one of us equally, we all presumably have the same spiritual potential, the same potential to live a life that's meaningful and useful and happy and joyous and free. Very, very exciting. You know, just as it states here, it's more than just uh, attending gatherings and visiting hospitals. It's more than just staying in the local basement of your nearby church and attending a meeting, which is, you know, exciting to do, but we get to integrate out in the community and become givers. You know, we have meaning and purpose. We are useful now, and what an excitement that is. And, you know, living, I live uh, 10 minutes outside of New York City and have the opportunity to attend, you know, a bunch of 12-step meetings face-to-face, -face, and I really get to see that we are a fellowship, you know, that goes from Park Bench to Park Avenue. You know, I sit with electricians, I sit with nurses, I sit with the unemployed, I sit with truck drivers, electricians, you know, uh, you know, people who've, uh, you know, got into the Hall of Fame. I mean, you sit with all kinds of people, some of the wealthiest people on the planet, some of the poorest people on the planet, and the beauty of this fellowship is that you don't know who is who. <laughs> you just want them to experience the same transformation of thinking and of attitude and of life uh, living that that makes that this program makes possible. You root for each and every one of God's kids, essentially. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Leah. And I'm going to go next. And um, because of the time, I think we're just going to stay on this paragraph. So we'll open it up for some additional sharing after I finish. Um, so good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive over, overeater from South Jersey. And being wrecked in that same vessel, I mean, do we know what that vessel is? You know, for many years, I raised my hand in Overeaters Anonymous saying I was a compulsive overeater, and I, don't, I didn't understand what that meant. 
you know, I really thought before OA and unfortunately many years in OA that food and weight was my problem. And if that was true, then abstinence would have cured me. And abstinence never did. Because I would get abstinence hundreds of times and make the insane decision to pick up again. If weight was really my problem, I lost weight and got to go weight dozens of times. But what happened? I would take that first bite and I'd be off and running. So that can't be the vessel that I'm on. Because ladies and gentlemen, diets do work. Lower your calories, increase your exercise, they do work, unless you're in the vessel of being a real compulsive overeater. So a big part of me knowing who I am is knowing who I am not. And that's why I love pages 20 and 21, and there is a solution, because it tells us about the different type of drinkers. You know, there's the moderate eater, those who can take it or leave it alone. Is that your reality? Because if you are a moderate eater, you do not need the 12 steps. What about being a heavy eater? If a sufficiently strong reason, ill health, falling in love, change of environment, or a warning of a doctor becomes operative, this man can also stop or moderate. If that's your reality, you don't need a 12-step program. A real compulsive overeater is someone who loses all control of liquor consumption once he starts to drink. And that's, who I, that's the vessel that I'm in. And I love the paragraph on page 34 because this is the part I had to fully concede. It says on page 34, for those who are unable to drink moderately, the question is how to stop altogether. For many years, I thought, well, I can stop and I can be absent until I lose a certain amount of weight, and then I'll be able to eat moderately. A lot of treatment centers tell people the same thing. Get your food under control, and we're going to introduce dessert night twice a week. So I have to be convinced. Am I in the vessel that says for those who are unable, unable to drink moderately, the question is how to stop altogether? We are assuming, of course, the reader desires to stop, which means, do I mean business? And here's the answer. Whether such a person can quit on a non-spiritual basis depends upon to the extent which he has already lost the power of choice, whether he will drink or not. So if I am someone who's not in that vessel, maybe I can stay sober and happy on meetings and just talking to people or dieting with group support that were not mentioned. But if I am a real compulsive overeater, if I am in the vessel of the real deal, I'm going to need something beyond myself because that vessel includes people who have an allergy to the body, which means I can never, ever have those foods again. And I, and I have a mental obsession, which will only be addressed with these 12 steps. And with that, I pass. And who else would like to share on this um, paragraph? Ronnie P. I heard Ronnie P., but I think there was someone behind Ronnie. Santa H. Santa. Anyone else? You probably have room for another person. Gail P. I heard P, but I didn't hear the first name. Gail. Gail. Okay. Um, I hear a lot of feedback. I'm not sure whose phone it is. So we'll have Ronnie P, Santa H, and Gail P. Um, Ronnie, go ahead. Okay. Uh, thank you so much, Kim, for your service. Good morning, everyone. Ronnie P, Pennsylvania, recovered compulsive overeater. Um, you know, reading this paragraph, I realized uh, how many years uh, I I was in the vessel with everyone, but I kept trying to change the vessel. Um, so as I've recovered, I realized that that's really the root of so much of the problems I have in life is when I try to change reality to fit what I think it should be instead of accepting what is right in front of me. So I'm in the same world, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm in the same world that I've always been in, 
But now I'm not pretending that it's not what it is. You know, so with my food, I no longer pretend that, okay, if I, (coughs) excuse me, I'm so sorry. I no longer pretend that if I just lose this 10 or 15 pounds, um, I can just go back to uh, eating a little bit here of what I want and a little bit here of what I want. Um, The miracle is that now that I've really accepted the vessel I'm in and the disease I have, the food I want is not my binge foods because I know what that comes with. Um, It comes with a hell of a lot of heartache and um, so much less fun and so much less wonder and joy than what I feel when I say, I'm in this vessel. How you doing, everybody? We are all the same. And that acceptance of being in the vessel and not trying to change it to suit what I wish it were, um, that's a practice that has actually now bled into all other areas of my life. I'm much better able to see what's real so that I can truly be and then I can truly turn things over to the care of God um, so that I can truly say, all right, where am I? You know, if, if this situation, if this reality is causing me to be restless, irritable, and discontented, what must I do to relieve that? First thing I do is hold still and ask God, please take it from me. Then I, you know, I just sort of work in 10, 11, and 12 for a little bit. Things kind of shift, and more times than I can even recount, my higher power uh, allows me to enter into a new reality that is so much better than the old reality that I was fighting. So um, I love this idea of being in the same vessel, and I realize with much, um, with a little bit of embarrassment how much I tried to change that. But that was my character flaw everywhere. I tried to change things so that it would be the way I wanted. And that's just ego, you know, and thank God this program has let me see what ego really is so that I don't have to be a slave to it. And um, I could just be happy, joyous, and free. Even on days that are challenging, I could still know that I'm joyous and free at a real grown-up base level. Uh, That's all I got. Thanks for uh, letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Ronnie P. And Santa H., you're up, and then Gail P. will be next. Morning, Santa. Santa, we can't hear you. Can you hear me now? I certainly can. Go ahead. Okay. Thank you. Good morning, Kim, and thank everyone on the line, and thank you, Kim, for your service this morning. Um, I'm a grateful recovered compulsive overeater, and I um, thank you, God. I wanted to share on that one line, it's just really sticking out for me, is where it says, no one is too discredited or has sunk too low to be welcomed cordially. I'm going to stop there for a moment and just share what the big book says about this. It says on page XIV, the only requirement for membership is an honest desire to stop drinking. We are not allies with any particular faith, sect, or denomination, nor do we oppose anyone. Wow, how wonderful that is. This program accepts everybody. But then... It says over on page XX, it says 50% got sober at once and remained that way, and 25% sobered up after some relapse, um, uh, and among the remainder who stayed sober in AA showed improvement. So why is that the case? Because the next line, it says if he means business. 
So that means for me, coming into this program is more than just an honest desire to stop eating compulsively. Once I get beyond that, I had to be willing to do the work. And that's what they mean in this book to me, that if he means business. So what business are they referring to? I just turn to page XVII. It says, though we could not accept all the tenets of the Oxford group, he was convinced of the need for moral inventory, confession of personality defects, restitution to those harmed, helpfulness to others, and the necessity of belief in and is dependent upon God. That, to me, is what they mean by if they mean business. So when I came into this program, of course, I, I was ready to put the food down. That was not the issue for me, thank God. But the issue for me was I wasn't willing to work these steps the way they were outlined in this book. As this book says, precisely laid down. And so when I came in, well, when I did not came in, but when I decided to work these steps and I got, and I got a guy who took me through these steps, I recall when I got to step nine that, okay, I'm done. I don't need to go any further. But what this book is telling me, that meaning business doesn't stop at step nine. I have to continue living in these steps, 10, 11, and 12, beyond doing what I call the in-classroom work of four through nine and giving that fifth step away. Meaning business is every day. It's a day-to-day thing for me. And so I just wanted to share that, that, you know, it's important that if we mean business is what this process is all about. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Santa. And Gail P., you're going to lead us to the end of the meeting. Thank you. Okay, this is Gail P. in Texas. I'd like to talk about being wrecked in the same vessel, being restored and united under one God, with hearts and minds attuned to the welfare of others, the things which matter so much to some people no longer signify much to them. So I want to say how I I think I know other 12-steppers by how they behave in the greater community. Because to me, being wrecked in the same vessel isn't only about our particular compulsive behavior. But it's, it's really about the great vessel of life because there ain't no one out there that doesn't have dis- distress and irritability and discontent, etc. And we're taught how to deal with that with ourselves and with others. And so when I'm on Facebook and I see hatred and anger and all that, I know these people have never, <laughs> never sat in a 12-step meeting because Anyone can walk in and anyone is accepted. And through that acceptance, we learn the humanness of others and we, and we get to see our own humanness. And that to me is such a prevailing factor of being a part of the 12-step community that we learn really how to love and to be of service and to allow others to be who they are. And someone was talking about the great reality that we have room, our reality, being in the 12-step program plus our other spiritual self broadens our sense of what is reality and to, and to um, accept and tolerate differences. And with that, I pass because that's what I think the 12 steps is, is really about. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you, Gail. Thank you to everyone who has shared and participated today. 
Please join us in the second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. We will now close with the reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Rebecca F., can you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.